Well, good evening. Good evening. Good to see you tonight. Glad to have those of you who are joining with us, uh, whether you're there on Facebook or Twitter at HBC Tullahoma, YouTube at Highland Baptist Tullahoma, or our phone live streaming. If you need that number for phone live streaming to share with friends, please call our church office, 931-455-0645. So be sure to do that. Uh, go to our church website, if you will, to highlandbaptistchurch.com. Uh, as you go there, it's under the info link, just a couple of links over that you'll find uh, the link there for our uh, bulletin uh, that you can download there. Uh, it's got a lot of things that are upcoming in it. We've got also our children's worship bulletins that you can download there. If you need those in person, uh, you'll find them at the doors as, in, as well as in the windowsills. Uh, you can also there under that same tab find the prayer list. So I encourage you to go ahead and get that downloaded as we're going to go over that in just a few moments. Uh, and then uh, also just want to remind you while you're on the website there, go to the far right hand side, click the give online tab. You can do your online giving there. Uh, anybody can do that from anywhere uh, or if you're here in person. We have envelopes that are in the back of the pews, but if you're out of the ones in your pew, there are some in the little holders on the wall as well as uh, in the windowsills and at the doors. You can pick one up uh, and put your offering plate in the offering in the offering plate uh, here in person. Uh, you'll also find if you were here in person, uh, this uh, that was in our bulletins this past Sunday, uh, you won't have these at home, uh, but this is just a little bookmark that we wanted to give to individuals to remind them to be praying for life choices. Uh, we also have some baby bottles and those are getting gone pretty quickly. So if you want to get one of those, uh, please get one tonight if you're here. Uh, if you're online and you want to get one of those, just call the church office, 931-455-0645. We'll be sure to send one of those to you. Uh, we're just collecting our loose change and, and dollars and checks, whatever you want to put in them, <laughs> between now and Father's Day. We'll be collecting those at Father's Day, so just hang on to them uh, there till Father's Day uh, as we collect them uh, then. And then also don't forget if you were not here last Sunday or you didn't get one, you forgot to get one, get one of the Mothers of the Day bottles. Uh, if you knew of someone who's at home who couldn't come, feel free to pick up one of those. We have all of those gathered now out here in the hallway uh, beside the offices so you can be sure to grab one of those. And then the last thing that I want to share with you and remind you about, we had a great uh, CDC uh, graduation this morning. Uh, we had a great turnout for that from our parents. Uh, and it's always uh, heartbreaking in some respects, joyful in others as you're uh, sending those children off that we've been able to minister with for two years uh, at least uh, through our CDC program and to reach out to their families. And so just continue to pray for those families, especially those that don't have a church home. Uh, we do have Vacation Bible School that's going to be coming up. Uh, the kickoff is going to be Saturday, June the 4th from 6 to 7.30. Going to be food, fun, games, a color run slash walk. So come out for that. Vacation Bible School is going to begin the 6th through the 10th. You can go ahead and pre-register on paper in person, uh, or you can go to our Facebook page. There's a link there that you can click. Uh, our church website, you can go to there, hollandbaptistchurch.com on the main homepage. Uh, there's a link there that you can click. Uh, you can also see in your church bulletin there uh, or the newsletter, you can scan a QR code there and do everything online. If you have already registered before with us, Please uh, call us here at the church office. Uh, that way we won't have a duplicate uh, put in. Uh, we have most of those already put into the system. Uh, but if you would, just give us a call if you've been registered before. Uh, so just wanted to make an announcement of those things. And Brother Mike, if you'll come, and then we'll move to our prayer list. Good evening. Take your hymnals and turn to 451. And we're going to sing, Tell It to Jesus. 451. Miss Beth? 
such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Are you troubled at the thought of dying? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. For Christ's coming kingdoms are you sighing. You ever have those days where you think, you know, there's something I'm missing, something I didn't get. I just know there's something I'm missing. It was that song, putting it into the presentation. <laughs> so that's why we did not have that on the screen for those of you at home. So sorry about that. <laughs> I knew there was something that just it kept pressing on me, but I could not think of what in the world it was. <laughs> so. Take your, not take your Bibles, but let's go ahead and look at our prayer list. Uh, we want to move through our prayer list as quickly as possible. We've got a lot to cover uh, in this passage tonight. So uh, I won't belabor the point to go through everybody that's on the list, but just to tell you that uh, the ones that I do know of with some updates uh, is to let you know that uh, Brother Al still has not got moved into his house yet. So he said continue to pray uh, for him. Uh, hopefully, I think it's Friday, he said they'll be closing and everything will work out, so uh, keep him in your prayers. Um, keep Miss Birdie Davis uh, in your prayers. Uh, continue to uplift her. Uh, she's still uh, having some issues there, uh, not just with the passing of her son, but some other uh, medical issues there, too. Uh, we also had mentioned, someone had asked about, uh, let me find her on the list, and Vicki Boswell, uh, who's on the list. She has several uh, medical issues that are going on with her, and she just asked for our continued prayer. Uh, she has a lot of needs there besides the medical issues, but just continue to uplift her uh, in your prayers. Linda Hawker-Smith is doing great with her recovery. Erin Murray's continuing to do great uh, with hers. Uh, Jim Marlowe's improved uh, also, as well as Wade Hall uh, that we've been praying for. Uh, there's a, two that we've added uh, over on the right-hand side, I don't know if I can get, I think I can. Uh, one of those is Anna Johnson. We just removed her from the prayer list uh, today. And uh, we found out uh, later this afternoon that she passed away. She was a neighbor uh, for Marlene Parker. Uh, I had met her through the chaplaincy program at the hospital uh, through the police department that I'm a chaplain with, uh, and uh, she was ha having uh, some issues with dialysis and such with her kidneys, uh, but she passed away uh, today. So we do want to remember that family in your prayers. And then the one right above her is Jason and Laura Curtis. I just found out about this family uh, last night at our executive board meeting for our association. Uh, Mark Puckett, who is our director of mission, said he would send uh, the information about this request out to us today. Uh, Jason is the pastor of Liberty Baptist, which is just south of Winchester. Uh, his wife, Laura, has been on the transplant list for a liver uh, for a number of years, uh, but due uh, in part to other continuing health issues, the doctors have not uh, wanted, been willing really to do a transplant. In the meantime, 
diabetes has taken a toll on her to the extent that in March she had a leg amputated uh, near the knee and she continues to struggle with that situation um, <clears throat> as the doctors have debated back and forth whether an additional uh, amputation is needed. Well, that was the, what he had written up and then had to update that even in his writing uh, that he said even as he was writing on this letter, he learned that Laura is in the hospital with a new severe infection in the leg and facing possible additional amputation today. And so we want to uplift that family in prayer. Uh, needless to say, the loss of leg necessitates a major life adjustment. He said uh, Jason has had to take an extended leave from his job. He works, he's a bivocational pastor, uh, works at the Winchester Hospital. And unfortunately, uh, he has had so much time off there that the hospital's not willing uh, to uh, help uh, with, uh, to give him more continuing leave. So he is going to be losing his job. Uh, which means they will be losing their insurance. And so this is Jason and uh, Laura Curtis, as we said, who is the pastor at Liberty Baptist. So we, our association is going to be doing some things. We'll be sharing some more with you if you want to help that family uh, and how you can do that. Uh, but we want to uplift Jason and Laura, uh, Laura with her liver transplant, uh, him losing his job. He is uh, going to be working for the Winchester Police Department, I believe, uh, writing uh, warrants, but it's only going to be like one day a week and there won't be any insurance. Uh, with that position and so that's one of our pastors in the association uh, that is really struggling right now uh, this is a young couple uh, that is in our association I believe they're in their 40s uh, and so it's a very tragic situation that's going on there with them that's the only prayer request that I wanted to go over if you have any others So this is uh, Cindy Ingram that uh, Pat was just mentioning to us. Uh, she was taken to where? Vanderbilt uh, with infection, pneumonia, sepsis, and some kidney issues that they had to put a stent in. So we want to uplift Cindy Ingram uh, in our prayers too. I will say one other word about one other on our prayer list, Cindy Cruz, who is my cousin uh, who is here in Tennessee, one of the only, one of the few who live outside of Florida of my relatives. Uh, she is uh, she has uh, liver cancer. She is going to be starting treatments in a couple of weeks uh, down, at, uh, down in Georgia and Atlanta uh, down there. So keep her in your prayers as she goes through her treatments. Anybody else we need to add? Okay, so Kyra Cheryl, uh, we can remove her from the prayer list. She's one that's on our friends and family side there if you're looking at home. Uh, so remember, you can remove Kyra Cheryl. She's doing good. Any others? I'm not on Facebook. Are you? Are you on Facebook? Do you see any? Okay. All right. Okay. So we will check Facebook before we leave. So if you don't get your prayer request in right now, we will check it before we leave to make sure that we catch any of those there. Anybody else? Okay. Let's go to the Lord in prayer then, and we'll get right into our Bible study for tonight.
Heavenly Father, we just want to come before you in prayer and thank you, Lord, for who you are and for all that you're doing in our hearts. We thank you for your presence with us tonight and in coming into your presence. We know, Lord, that we are an unholy people. Lord, there are thoughts that maybe we have thought that have been sinful. Uh, Lord, there maybe there have been actions that we have committed that have been sinful. Maybe there's things, Lord, that you have told us that we should be doing but we have failed to do, and that is sin also. So we come before you, Lord, confessing our sin and asking you to forgive us of our sin and to wash us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be present with us tonight. We want you to hear our prayers. There are many that are on this prayer list tonight, and we just want to uplift them all to you. You know each one individually. You know their needs. You know their struggles. You know the difficulties that they're going through. You know, Lord, the places that they need strength especially in. And so we pray, Lord, that you will walk alongside them, that you will fill them, Lord, that you will overflow out of them, uh, that they would have the strength to keep persevering uh, through the difficulties that they're facing. Father, we just pray for you to surround them with your grace and your mercy and your loving kindness. And we ask, Lord, for you to shower them with your love and let them know that you are with them. Do a mighty work in their hearts and in their lives as you bring the healing that they need. Lord, some of these, uh, we don't know what the, uh, the outcome may be, and so we just pray that you'll be with their families and continue to encourage them also. Uh, Lord, we pray that you'll be with each one of these as some will still have to walk through the valleys uh, that they're going through, some even the valley of the shadow of death. And Father, we just pray uh, that you will comfort them and watch over them and guide them through that time. Father, for those who have lost loved ones in these last days, we just pray for the Holy Spirit to be with their families, uh, to encourage them and to strengthen them, to let them know that you are with them. And Father, I pray that you'll... Uh, Make your presence known to them that you will fill them with a peace that passes all understanding. And Father, many other unspoken requests that we have on our hearts. And so Father, I just pray that you will just hear those, hear those requests in our hearts. Father, we pray that you will answer in a powerful way from on high to show yourself faithful uh, in our lives, that we might use it as a witness and testimony, even as we're going through the struggles, that people will see Christ within us and that it will be a witness to them. So, Lord, bless each one of these. Bless us tonight as we come to study your word. And, Father, I just pray for uh, your spirit to be poured out into the, your word tonight. May we receive that blessing of reading your word the blessing of hearing your word, and then as we leave, the blessing of keeping your word, as we'll see in these passages tonight. So guide us and help us to see your truth. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Uh, there is one other request that I do need to share with you, and let me see if I can bring it up here. I believe I can, yes. Uh, this was from Linda Smith, uh, Donald Smith, who is Mark's dad. Uh, he is in a slow decline uh, and has been on hospice since the 1st of January. He still enjoys eating, singing hymns, praying and receiving visits from the family. Uh, Mark and Linda are going to be tra traveling over to North Carolina uh, to be with him uh, next week. So uh, uplift them in prayer and continue to uplift his dad, Donald Smith. Uh, in your prayers. Uh, and so she wanted me to be sure to share that with you, and I just thought of that one. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, turn to the book of Revelation in chapter 9. In chapter 9, let me move some things around here real quickly. So in chapter 9, if you'll remember last week in chapter 8, we started with the trumpets. 
uh, and we had gotten through uh, the, the, uh, the first uh, of these four first trumpets, uh, and uh, these first four trumpets were trumpets of war. Uh, if you were to look at, and I think this is the way I may have it laid out on the slides, is that right, or do I have the verse? Okay, so you'll, you'll notice if you have your charts, uh, just as a reminder there, we are past the section on the letters to the seven churches. The, letter, the seven seals have been opened. The seventh seal opened to the seven trumpets. Uh, we're going to get to the point in a, several weeks because we actually have about three chapters that we're having to cover before we finally get to the last trumpet. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going on in these last three trumpets. Uh, and once we get to that last trumpet, the seventh one, that will then open up into uh, this uh, time that you'll see here of a war that goes on in heaven. Uh, and then the seven bowls will be open. And then after that will come the second coming, the thousand year reign of Christ. Uh, and as you continue down your chart, you'll see those uh, different uh, layouts there. That's one of the great resources that we have. If you don't have that, uh, we'd be glad to send that to you. Just uh, send us a message uh, there and we'll get that to you. And then don't forget these numbers uh, charts that we also have that tell you uh, that what the numbers mean in the Bible. We're going to see uh, some numbers in this passage that we're looking at here in Revelation chapter 9 and verse 1 through verse 12. So let's just begin with verse 1 and we'll just stop right there for just a moment and get and then uh, actually get into more of chapter 9 just down through verse 12 is all we're going to be able to cover uh, for tonight. So here's what verse 1 says, and the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. So as you make your way through the book of Revelation, you almost feel the heat, if you will, is, is getting more intense as you read uh, here. The fires of the tribulation are getting hotter and hotter with each chapter that we go through. With the opening of the seventh seal, we moved into that period of judgment governed by the blowing of the seven trumpets. And we said those first four, what kind of trumpets were they? War trumpets. Uh, they were war trumpets, and we saw uh, God's judgment on the physical earth. We saw his judgment on the trees and the seas and the rivers and the sun and the moon and the stars. The last three trumpets are what we call woe trumpets. And that's why I've entitled this message tonight, Woe, Woe, Woe. Now, we're only going to get to one of those woes uh, tonight, uh, as we already see here with this blowing here in verse 1 of this fifth trumpet. Uh, and so uh, we see uh, God's judgment uh, with, this, with the blowing of these trumpets is not only on the physical earth, uh, but it's also the judgment and the wrath of God uh, on the populated earth, on the world of humanity. Mankind itself is now going to feel the full effects of the wrath of God. So with the blowing of the fifth trumpet, what we see here in verse 1 is literally the door to hell is open. Uh, we see that this star has fallen from heaven to earth. He's given the key to the shaft, to, to, the, to the opening there of the bottomless pit. And we're going to see when he opens it, smoke roars out of that fiery furnace. And out of that smoke and darkness come these hideous, horrible, uh, hurtful demons uh, who invade and attack the entire world. Now, that shouldn't really shock us too much. 
uh, because I believe that even right now uh, we're being prepared for the age of this demonic invasion. Uh, there seems to be more and more uh, on every hand an increasing uh, interest and awareness of demonism and Satanism and witchcraft and magic and the occult and astrologers and fortune tellers and soothsayers uh, that literally have tens of millions of people who almost worship at their doorstep. Uh, and so I'm convinced that the groundwork it has already been and continues to be laid for this demonic invasion that's literally going to burst uh, onto this world. This invasion is going to simply be a preparation for the coming of the Antichrist. And when this invasion is over, the world is going to be ripe to be plucked uh, like a piece of ripe fruit. Uh, all of mankind is going to lay palm branches in the street. Where do we hear that? Back with Jesus when he came uh, entering into Jerusalem uh, in the triumphal entry there. We're going to see a false episode of that with the, with the Antichrist later uh, as they're going to be crying out in the street, Hosanna, as the Antichrist makes his entrance. Uh, and this remarkable story begins here in verse 1. Now this star that's referred to in verse 1 is not a literal star. Like when you look in the heavens at night and you see the twinkling stars, you see the North Star, uh, you see uh, the stars that make up the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and all of the different constellations. It's not a literal star. Because you read in the second half of this verse that he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Who is the he that it's referring to there? The fallen star. And so this star is a person. Now it's not unusual to refer to a person as a star. We refer to people today as stars, movie stars. is one of the best ways that we can see that. Uh, we talk about stars in the world of sports, uh, like the star on the football team. But this isn't just any ordinary star. This is a fallen star. And this star has fallen from heaven to earth. Uh, now that immediately ought to give us a clue about who this star is. Uh, this star is a fallen angel. He is none other than Satan himself. One of the names of Satan is Lucifer, which means brightness. In fact, the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah said this in Isaiah 14 and verse 12 through verse 14, uh, Satan is compared to the day star or the morning star. Verse 12 says, How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? How are you cut down to the ground, who you laid the nations, you who laid the nations low? You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. That's none other than Satan himself. Uh, because Jesus himself said on one occasion to his disciples in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Uh, so what we see here in verse, in verse 1 of chapter 9 is that Satan is given this key to the bottomless pit. And he puts the key to the door and all of this nightmarish Pandora's box is open. Hordes of demons are unloosed that we're going to see unleashed to attack and to afflict uh, all of humanity. And when that door is open, people are going to experience what we might say is hell on earth literally. 
Uh, there is going to be a literal intensification uh, of, the, of the devil's fury and the multiplication uh, of in, the enemies uh, as of in, our enemies as the demons uh, from hell begin to take over this earth. And never in the history of mankind have such powerful and wicked creatures uh, been witnessed. I mean, no creature from outer space that Hollywood could conjure up uh, in its elaborate imagination could compare uh, to, to these terrible creatures who are coming out of this bottomless pit. So John goes into great detail to describe what these creatures look like to the best that we can understand from uh, trying to describe those things which are spiritual. So notice, the, first of all, these creatures are detained. That's what we find in verse 2 and verse 3. So read with me, if you will. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions uh, of the earth. So before this scene, these creatures have been imprisoned in what is called the bottomless pit. That literally translated would be the pit of the abyss as this dungeon is in the very heart of hell. We're told in other places in the scriptures about this prison which contains these fallen angels. Remember when Satan rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven, the Bible says that one third of the angels fell with him. Uh, many of these angels become Satan's demons, uh, and they were chained and imprisoned in this dungeon of darkness. Peter tells us about this imprisonment in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. For he says, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to, the chains, to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. Jude... Jude, the book of Jude refers to this in Jude verse 6 that says the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. So get the idea here. They're in this bottomless pit. It has a cap over it, a shaft over it that is chained, that has a lock on it that needs a key to open it. They're, they're detained in this horrible place. Hell is a total horror. And this abyss, this dungeon is so horrible that not only do the demons want to get out of there when it's open, but the demons who are out don't want to get into it. You think about that when you go back to Jesus. Remember when Jesus cast the demons out of the demoniac in, the Gadar in Gadarene? Uh, we're told about in Luke chapter 8 and verse 31. You remember what the demons begged him? They, they begged him in, in Luke 8, 31, not to command them to depart into the abyss. We're, they wanted to go into the swine that were there. Just send us there, but don't send us into the abyss because they knew that's a horrible place to go. So even those demons who are outside the abyss don't even want to go there. Uh, we're told that when this pit is open, smoke 
comes out of this pit, like the smoke of a great furnace, verse 2 says. Jesus compared hell to a furnace of uh, fire. Uh, when he said in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 42, he said, And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In verse 50 of that same chapter, he says, And throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So think about that place. It's hot. It's dark. Uh, it's so terrible that even demons don't want to go there. And that'll tell you what a terrible place that hell really is. Uh, Satan is given the key, though, to this bottomless pit. And contrary to, to some popular opinion, Satan isn't the ruler of hell. As a matter of fact, he's not even in hell. Jesus is Lord over hell. We're told in Revelation 1.18 that he has... Who has? Jesus does. He has the keys of death and Hades. That's in Revelation 1.18. We've already uh, talked about that passage before. So notice that Satan isn't the king of hell. He's the chief prisoner of hell. And I'm afraid sometimes that we kind of get the idea that, that Jesus and the devil are kind of on equal terms. And they're kind of opposites of each other, if you will. And that is by far an absurd thought to even think. Jesus is nowhere near at the level that Satan is. He's a fallen angel. Jesus is part of the Trinity. He is God himself in the flesh. And so Jesus is Lord of all. All authority has been given to Jesus. And the authority of Satan himself is limited by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, who has the keys? Jesus does. Who gives Satan the keys? Jesus does. So Jesus has all the power. If you don't have the keys, you're not driving. <laughs> you're not in the driver's seat. And, and so Jesus is the one who's in the driver's seat. Uh, someone once described hell this way and said uh, this about this bottomless pit. In this prison are inmates that are so wicked, they would make the prisoners at San Quentin look like choir boys. In a literal hellhole is a godless gang of demonic hordes chained in a prison of darkness who even now are, are clanging their chains, crying out to be released so that they can wreak havoc on the sons of men. And that's an apt description uh, of this place, uh, this bottomless pit. When that day comes... When Satan has that key and unlocks that door, all of the fury of hell is going to break loose on this earth. So just imagine what this world would be like if all the doors of all the prisons that are on the face of this earth, uh, that the most vicious, the most violent criminals were set free without one policeman, without one judge to constrain them. I tell you, that would be a picnic compared to the fear and the violence and the chaos that's going to come when these demonic hordes are loosed from this bottomless pit. But they are detained until that day. Notice, secondly, these creatures are demonic that's what we see in verse 3 there. Now notice what he, how he describes in there. He says, Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. So these are not actual locusts. Proverbs 30 verse 27 tells us that locusts don't have a king. Uh, locusts, uh, it tells us in, Luke, in Proverbs 30 27, the locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. 
but we're told in verse 11 that they do have a demonic king. If you'll look down to verse 11, and I don't think I put this one in the order there uh, for this one, but verse 11 in chapter 9 says this, they have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. Now we'll talk about that verse a little bit later, but just the fact that we see there in verse 11, these demonic uh, locust-like creatures have a demonic king uh, who is over them that verse 11 tells us about. Uh, They are demons, they are fallen angels, they are soldiers of Satan who are let loose to do his bidding. And, And so these creatures are demonic. Thirdly, we see that these creatures are deadly. Uh, We see that again in verse 3. These creatures have the power to sting like a scorpion. Uh, I've never been stung by a scorpion. Anybody here been stung by a scorpion before? I don't see anybody. Maybe somebody online there has been. Uh, I've never been stung by a scorpion, but I understand uh, that it's an extremely painful sting. What I've discovered is, is that most scorpion stings are not fatal, even though they are extremely painful. Uh, But there's a species of scorpion which can cause death by their sting. In fact, according to what I found in some research, more deaths have been caused uh, along the Mexican border uh, by scorpion stings than by any other stinging or biting creatures. These creatures will give a sting that's excruciatingly painful and for which there will be no cure or relief. That's one of the things we're going to see here uh, as they're given this power like the power of scorpions on the earth. And so these creatures are deadly. Notice also that these creatures are destructive in verse 3. It's not coincidental that they're called locusts. You you ever heard about locusts and what they do? One of the most destructive creatures uh, known to man is the locust. Uh, And and it's only a bug is all that it is. But periodically, desert locusts will reappear after not being around for several years and they become a problem and a plague. Uh, They plague many nations in the Middle East even and in some parts of Africa. Years ago, uh, there was a, a, a large uh, swarm of locusts that was spotted that was 50 miles long and 26 miles wide. Could you imagine that? Locusts, that long of a line of locusts and that wide. 50 miles long, 26 miles wide. Now, when you consider this, that, that a swarm of one square mile has between 100 to 200 million locusts. You could just imagine the number of locusts in a swarm of 50 miles by 26 miles. It's said that locusts can fly uh, a little more than 1,200 miles nonstop. And that one swarm can consume the food of 10 million people in one single day. That's all you'd need. That would, I mean, we already see the shortages that we're experiencing today. You could just imagine that exponentially, if a swarm of locusts were to arise in a place in the world where there are crops that are growing that supply a huge portion of the world's food, that in one day, a swarm of locusts could consume the food of 10 million people. I believe that's simply a picture of how destructive these creatures are going to be. Notice also that these creatures are deterred. They are deterred. Notice verse 4 and verse 5. 
Uh, obviously, if God allowed these creatures to, they could destroy humanity from the face of the earth. But we're going to see here that they're restrained from, uh, in their activity. They're limited. They can only go so far and they can go no farther. So verse 4 says, They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now, so often, as we're going through end-time, revelation-type discussions, uh, inevitably, we come up to the mark of the beast, the 666, uh, that'll be on uh, those people who are lost, it'll be on their, on their foreheads. But we see here that that is only a counterfeit of what God tells us he's already before ordained for his people, uh, as we see there in verse, uh, verse uh, 4. Uh, that his people will have the seal of God on their forehead. So notice here, uh, as you read to verse 5, they were allowed to torment them for how long? Five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. So their time on earth is limited to five months. Now, it just so happens that the normal lifespan of a locust is about five months, from about May to September. But remember also in the Bible that the number five, that's where we come back to our numbers charts again, the number five represents completeness. There's five fingers on a normal hand. There's five toes on a normal foot. We have five physical senses. Uh, this is a reference to the completeness of this judgment. Now, anyone, he says, who doesn't have, not the seal of the Antichrist, the, the number of the beast, but who doesn't have the seal of God on their forehead will not escape the pain and the poison of these terrible creatures. So uh, they are limited in their time, but they also are limited with their target. Uh, their targets are limited, as we see in verse 4. Uh, so keep in mind that the blasts of the woe trumpets are not directed to everyone who's on the face of the earth, but only to those who love this earth, only to those who are worldly, who, who that's all they are focused on. If you go back to Revelation 8, chapter 8, verse 13, remember what we read there last week? It says, As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blast about to be sounded by the other three angels, which we have just heard the first one blow. And so if you remember, we pointed out earlier as we were going through that, uh, you may not remember because there's so much that we're going through here, uh, that the word for inhabitants there doesn't refer to every person who lives on the face of the earth, but rather to those who are earth lovers, those who are worldly people. You see, God's people are going to be protected from the wrath of God during the Great Tribulation. Now that's something that's, that's important for us to understand here, that they're going to be protected from the wrath of God. So remember this distinction. God's people in this time will undergo the wrath of man. They will be tortured. We've already seen that. They will be persecuted. They will be beheaded. They will be killed for their faith. But they'll always be protected from the wrath of God. These trumpets are about the wrath of God. Jesus made a promise to the church back in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 10. 
when we were going through those letters to the seven churches, here's what he said. He said, because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. So all of this is coming, this trial that's coming, is coming to those who dwell on the earth, those who are earth dwellers who love the earth. He says, I'm going to keep you, though, as my children, as my people who have trusted in me as Lord and Savior, I'm going to keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world. He says specifically that the hour of trial is for a purpose. It's to test those who dwell on the earth. And that word for dwell is the same word that's used for inhabitant in Revelation 8, 13. God's wrath during the great tribulation isn't directed towards his people. It's rather directed towards those whose roots and whose allegiance are to this world and to this earth. But God's people who have this seal on their foreheads will be protected from these terrible creatures. That's what's meant in Revelation 3.10 when Jesus said, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world. That's the same phrase, to keep, that's used in John's gospel in John 17 verse 15 where Jesus said, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one, that you protect them from the evil one. So the prayer of Jesus wasn't that we should be taken from the presence of the devil, but rather that we would be protected from the power of the devil. And also those believers who are on the earth during the great tribulation won't be taken from the hour of trial, but they will be protected during the hour of trial. That's an important distinction that we need to realize there also. And then thirdly, notice about these creatures that their torment is limited. Their torment is limited. These creatures aren't allowed to kill, but only to hurt. Go on down to verse 10 real quickly because you'll see another aspect of that in verse 10. It says they have tails and sting like scorpions and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. These creatures aren't allowed to kill, only to hurt. And so if only people could understand that Satan wants to harm us and to do us uh, harm, uh, but Jesus wants to help us and to do us good, uh, that's the message of the gospel, that he offers the free gift of grace to all of us who would receive. So we don't have to go through this if we would but trust in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And so notice, uh, sixthly, that these creatures are demoralizing. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, in those days, this is uh, something that's just mind-boggling here. In those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. So get the picture here of what's going on. The the stings of these demon locusts are going to produce such pain and agony and suffering. Now, Now we said these aren't physical locusts, but whatever it is that they're going to cause, they're going to cause pain and suffering to the people of this world. And that suffering is going to be so great that people who normally run from death, and flee from death are going to be trying to find death and, and, and end their miseries. You know, today we don't want to die. 
but these people are going to want to die. In that day, people are going to desire to die. But notice this, they can't. Why? Who holds the keys of death? Jesus. He just gave the key to the bottomless pit to Satan, not the keys of death. And so Jesus holds the keys of death. And in that day, he's going to refuse to unlock the door of death. People are going to try to kill themselves, but the Bible says they're not going to find death. And death is going to flee from them. Try as they might, they won't. Death will not come. And even if people could commit suicide in that day, they would simply be jumping literally from the frying pan into the fire. They would be leaving the demons, but they would be going to the very place that the demons don't even want to go to. They would learn too late that suicide is never a solution. And so what a, what a picture and an image to see here that people are seeking death. They're wanting to die and try as they might. Death never comes. Death never comes. Just pain and agony and suffering. Notice seventh, these creatures are defiant. They're defiant. Notice verse seven. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Now, throughout the, throughout the book of Revelation, the horse is always the war horse, which is a symbol of defiance. These spirited horses are pictured with their heads reared, their nostrils are flared, their manes are flying back in the wind, almost as if to say, stop us if you can. But they cannot be stopped. Notice that these creatures are also determined. You see that in verse 7 also. The crown that they're wearing. The crown in the Bible is always a picture of authority, uh, of dominion, of power. And this tells us that these creatures can go where they want to go, they can do what they want to do, and nobody can stop them. They're loosed, and they've been in this pit for, for aeons, and now they're loosed, and they're not going back, and they're wreaking havoc on this world. They conquer everything in their path. They are invincible to power and resistant to pain. No one will have any military weapon that can stop them. Doctors won't have any medicine that can affect them. Scientists won't have any potion that can make them helpless. These creatures are determined. But notice also in verse 7 that they are deliberate they're deliberate. This tells us that these creatures are intelligent. Look again at verse 7. It says, it says that their faces were like human faces. That's telling us about uh, their, their, their knowledge and their wisdom. They're, they're intelligent. They're cunning. They're clever. You know, the devil has always lifted up human reason above holy revelation. His appeal has always been to the head rather than to the heart. And there's an interesting expression in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 9, that says, For the look on their faces bear witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. What, what Isaiah is saying in that, we all know how the look on a person's face can give away their thoughts. You'll be able to look into the face of these creatures and to see the very personification 
of evil. That's why he says they look like human faces. It's a personification there of who they are. Notice also these creatures are devious. They're devious. Notice verse 8. Their hair like women's hair and their teeth like lion's teeth. A woman's hair is her glory. It's one part of a woman that makes her beautiful and attractive to those who look upon her. And he tells us that these demons are going to be somehow strangely attractive. There's something that's both horrible and yet seductively beautiful about them. Paul explicitly warned us that in the last days there would be many who would follow deceiving spirits. The Bible says that even Satan himself dresses himself up as an angel of light. These demons are going to be so devious and so deceptive, but they're also devouring. These creatures are devouring. We're told in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 uh, that Satan prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Verse 8 says, and their teeth like lion's teeth. And so you see two parts of the creatures here. There's the beauty and there's the beast. Uh, you know, I was reading where the teeth of a lion not only inflict a terrible wound, but even when its bite doesn't kill, its teeth are so filled with infection that it's almost impossible to recover from its bite. Likewise, it's going to be literally impossible to recover from the sting and the bite of these creatures. These creatures are devouring. You get that image of the lion's teeth there. These creatures are also degenerate. Notice verse 9. They're degenerate. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses, with horses rushing into battle. So get the picture here that their, 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 their breastplates, the place that covers their hearts, are made out of steel. Uh, there's no mercy for their victims. There's no remorse. The screams of little children, the crying of little babies, the moan of teenage boys and girls is going to fall on deaf ears. Satan and his army don't know the meaning of mercy. You think it's hard to imagine such a cold-blooded cruelty in anyone or anything. One of the most infamous murderers of the 20th century undoubtedly was the late Charles Manson. When he was asked years ago about the possibility of parole, he said, I'm willing to get out and kill a whole bunch of people. He said, that's one reason I'm really not too fast on, on getting out because if I got out, he said, I'd feel obligated to get even. It would be an honorable thing. Just imagine that evil within someone's heart and seeing that magnified. No wonder many people thought Charles Manson was demonic. He had the heart of a devil, of a demon. These creatures are also deafening. Notice they're also in verse 9, that noise that their wings make. These creatures literally travel like the wind. They're flying swiftly and surely from one place of attack to another. Imagine a city that's totally defenseless. As the sun is rising, uh, this noise awakens you. You've never heard it before, but you've certainly heard about that sound. Uh, you've been awakened by the thundering hooves of the horses of judgment. The sky is black 
with dust. There's no place to run. There's no place to hide. And the next sound that you hear are the shrieks and the moans and the groans of those who are being stung by these horrible creatures. And, and you, you, you hear them before you see them. This maddening sound drives people for cover, but there is no cover and there is no escape and there is no hiding and there is no protection and there is no comfort. You just hear that sound and it's deafening and you're scared senseless. Notice also these creatures are devoted in verse 11 and verse 12. We read verse 10 earlier, but verse 11 and verse 12 says, They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. So the captain of this group is one whose name in the Hebrew is the word Abaddon. In the Greek, it's the word Apollyon. Both names mean the same thing, destroyer. Both names mean destroyer. His name is given in two languages. Why? Because Jews and Gentiles alike are going to be subject to his attack. And these demons from hell are devoted to doing his every bidding. And notice what verse 12 tells us. That's only the first woe. That's the first of the last three trumpets. So we're only now at this fifth trumpet that sounded. And so, wow, what a picture. They're still... Two more trumpets left to go. If you thought it was bad now, wait till you get to the next ones. This hasn't been a very pleasant thing to even preach about. In fact, it could be a very frightening message for some. But I believe that's the reason why God the Holy Spirit went into such detail in describing these future events to John to give those of us who are alive today fair warning. God is trying to prepare us for two comings. Did you know that? Two comings. You say, well, I know about the coming of Jesus. What's the other coming? The coming of Satan. The coming of Satan. The coming of Satan and the coming of the Savior. And you'd better be ready for both comings or you won't be ready for either coming. And so God is trying even now to get us ready. And I don't know of any book in the Bible where God goes to greater pains to try to tell the reader that you need to make a decision for Christ than here in the book of Revelation. Back in the 1740s, when Princess Elizabeth Petronova became the heiress to the throne of Russia, she seriously contemplated declining the throne. She had an aide who was very close to her and, uh, and was one of her trusted counselors, and he came to her one day with two paintings. Uh, both were of this princess, but one painting was a portrait of her sitting on a throne wearing an imperial crown. The other was a portrait of her in a miserable prison cell. And this trusted counselor, in all of his candor and in all of his honesty, he said, my lady, you have a decision to make. You may choose tomorrow between the prison or the throne. And I want to say, after looking at those two paintings without hesitation, she chose the throne. And so God is laying out before us in all of this 
that we have the same choice today. That you can live for eternity in a prison that's called hell, that's been prepared for the devil and his demons, or you can reign on a throne in a place called heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. The choice is up to you. Blessed are those who read this word, and blessed are those who keep this word, and blessed are those who hear this word. The question is, will you keep it? Because even we as believers who may have already received that free gift of salvation, we think, oh, I've, I've got my ticket. I know I'm not going through all this stuff. That's not going to affect me. I'll be protected. That's what we've read. You'll be protected as God's chosen people. But you have an obligation that if you know people are in their sin and you don't reach out to tell them about the good news of the gospel, then you are committing sin. So let me encourage you as a believer, be sure to share this message because one day that key is going to be put into that lock and it's going to be too late when the hordes of the demons come out of that bottomless pit and pain comes upon the people who love this world and love this earth. You better be in the tribe of God's people. That's the only place that there'll be protection from God's judgment. Doesn't mean there won't be protection, that, that others won't do things to those who are God's people. We know from what we've already read, there will be those who will be uh, attacked by people. There will be those who will be beheaded by man on this earth. But you won't be a part of receiving God's wrath in the judgment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your truth tonight. Lord, I know we've only gone through these 12 verses and yet there's so much more that we could have looked at in those verses. Father, I pray that you have helped us, Lord, at least to see the urgency. Lord, to see the urgency that if we don't know Christ as our Lord and Savior, it is urgent right now. The foundation has already been laid. The trumpet could sound at any moment and Jesus could return again. So, Father, I pray that we who are listening online, who are here present, would know beyond a shadow of a doubt in our hearts that we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, if we are at a place in our life where we're not sure of that, or maybe we know my name's not written there, Lord, I pray that we would call out to you and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on that cross and arose from the grave, that he died in my place, and I come repenting of my sin. I turn away from it, and I turn to follow you, Jesus. Help me, Lord, to live for you all the days of my life. And so, Father, if someone has prayed something like that in their hearts, Lord, I pray that they would reach out to us just to comment there in the comments online, or, or if they're here tonight, to, to speak to me before they leave. Father, I just pray that you would help us to make sure that we know Christ as Lord and Savior. But even as believers, Lord, I pray that this message tonight in these first 12 verses of the chapter, chapter 9 here have, have helped us to see also the urgency, the urgency with which we need to be proclaiming the gospel with those around us before it's too late. 
And so, Father, I pray that if we want our friends and we want our family members, we want our, our, our brothers and our sisters and our, our sons and our daughters and our husbands and our wives to be with you in heaven, we want our neighbors to be with you in heaven, then, Lord, I pray that you will open up opportunities for us to share and that you will give us the boldness to share with those the gospel message before it's too late, that there is hope in Jesus Christ. Even in this chapter, we've seen that there is hope for those who have the mark of God on their foreheads, for those who have trusted in God. And so, Father, I pray tonight, may we as believers be faithful, faithful in witnessing and sharing the good news to others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much there online for joining with us. We hope this has been a blessing to you. We still have another half of this chapter to go through and then still two more to go through before we get to the, ne to the next trumpets. And so uh, just continue to stay with us. Uh, we're going to get there. It, it seems like there's horrible things that are happening. We think the times we're living in are bad. It's going to be worse even then. So uh, we're glad, though, that you joined with us. Come back and join with us Sunday, uh, 9.15 for Sunday school. 10.30 for worship online, or join us in person, if you will. And then we'll be back again next Wednesday night for the book of Revelation. So you have a blessed week, and we'll see you this Sunday.